Christian Yelich swings out of his helmet. Ryan Tapera talks out his ass. And both teams get bounced in the first round. Isn't baseball fun? This is the War on 94 Sports Podcast. Your weekly dose of everything Chicago and Milwaukee sports. Now, here are your hosts, Frank Fernandez and Evan Schleinser. What's up, everybody, and welcome back. Another episode of the War on 94 podcast is here. It's Frank, along with Evan. As always, we're here to talk everything Chicago-Milwaukee sports. And Evan, how are you feeling? Uh, just miserable. Miserable, mm-hmm. miserable. And it goes it goes mm-hmm. beyond the the baseball mediocrity. I mean, we're we're here to talk about about a Packers win, and I can never complain about that. But it was the Brewers immediately off the tails of my Browns getting beat in yet another game that's been billed the game of the year. And actually, if you want to go even go one more further than that, on Saturday, I think I mentioned this on the live, but I'll mention it again for people who may not have been on the live. We drove all the way down to Cincinnati to get our butts handed to us on a freaking Philly special. <laughs> to lose the game in overtime for the high school team that I work for. So it's just been a great week of just eating L's. Yeah. You know, we, I, I know we talked about it before, but this is a team that you've, you've always wanted to be in that situation of, of game of the week status where they, where they're in there. People are considering the Browns as a contender as, you know, but once you're there, it's not as sweet when you're losing these big games on no. national television. Surprisingly, when you're giving up 47 points to yeah. uh, the, the Los Angeles Chargers, to maybe the second Jesus incarnate to walk it through the AFC West in the quarterbacking <laughs> room. Uh, it's oh just losing never gets any easier. I mean, it, 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 and I think we're having this conversation in a channel that I'm in with a bunch of just a bunch of football fans from all over the country. Um, and obviously, with that mixture, you're going to ironically end up with a Jaguars and a Chiefs fan, which is like the absolute opposite spectrum of the football football universe right now. And, and I think it was, it, it was, it was kind of a, it kind of was a moment that helped me put the, but what you just said into place is like uh, the, the Chiefs fan was complaining about how he was, he was realizing that he, a, he used to claim that you know, once he got one Super Bowl he didn't think he'd ever want more like one, it would be enough, but obviously mm-hmm. we all know one is never enough as you've lamented yeah. with the Cubs failed dynasty. As, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like one is never enough. When you win, you want more win. Like that's just how it goes. Right. That was fun. I would love to do that again. So, but, but when you're losing repetitively, you have no sympathy for the teams that win repetitively and then therefore become the, the a, the a standard and the, team that everybody wants to beat so the jaguars fan was lamenting the fact that the chiefs fan was complaining about how he felt that everybody played up against him and it was and it was like yeah i've been in the place where you've watched your team lose lose 20 straight or it wasn't bad exactly for the browns but it was 30 of 31 which is pretty bad in itself <laughs> and and yeah. then and then you know now i've been in the position of like winning a playoff game and like having a double digit win season and it's like and this season is is as you said the expectations have piled like you know you're now in the part where these games that like could mean 
mean things come January, they hurt so much more. And it's like, you know, I, I don't know. It's just sports is a cruel, cruel game. Cause even you could be winning 10 Super so Bowls. And that's still not enough. <laughs> exactly. You gotta be, I've one of my favorite tweets ever is you gotta be a dumbass to be a sports fan. Like truly, <laughs> yeah, you gotta truly. be a real idiot to, to stick by a team. No matter how many times they lose, no matter how many times they break your heart, you come back right around and you're doing the same thing again. I mean, I do it every Sunday. Uh, so I put on that Bears jersey and I sit there and I, and I, you know, hope that things go well. But we're all psychotic yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? Let's just let's just dive right into it. I, I know it's been it's been kind of a dud week for for sports news in general. So let's just skip the you know, skip our usual segment. We'll hop right into our fantasy player of the week. Because I got some good news this so Sunday. You, you can't whoop, wait to toot whoop. your own damn horn here. <laughs> Kadarius Tony, little Tyson Fury over there. Uh, he ten catches, one hundred and eighty nine yards. You know, I, I the seed was planted in his head by me. I know he listened to us pregame, and he thought oh, I yeah. got to make sure Frank nails it. Comes out, has a huge game. 10 catches, 189 yards, no touchdowns, but he did get a right hook in there. Uh, ejected midway through the fourth quarter, so he probably could have even done better. But, man, that felt good to see him out there doing that because uh, I've been pretty pretty bad as far as the fantasy players go. But to see him come out there, put up, put on a show, even in a – yeah, it lost by like 24 or something like that. It was not even close. No, but he was he was shifty. He looked really good. And I know a lot of people are now he's like the hot thing on the fantasy waiver wire. So uh, yeah, you're I'm, welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. You are welcome. Laid the groundwork for that one. And uh, you know what? I honestly, when you said it on the show, I made a note. I'm like, all right, I know a league that I'm in. He's still available. I'm going to go add him. And guess what? I didn't do. Go mm. add him. And guess who I didn't get on waivers this morning? <laughs> Kadarius mm. freaking Tony. It hurts. I just put in a waiver request for him this morning in my office league. The the wire closes on Thursday or tomorrow tonight at like two a.m. What's so your priority? I'm, what what number are you? I'm way down on the list, but hopefully oh. everyone just isn't paying attention or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, judging by I the trade you, you you mentioned earlier, I don't think anybody's paying attention to that league or knows no. what's going on. <laughs> I had a I had a trade turned down earlier today. I tried to trade Keenan Allen. For Deontay Johnson straight up, and I got turned down. Me getting Deontay Johnson. Hmm. Because I think I think just, you escaped that one. I don't know. He's I mean, no I Juju know. anymore. Keenan Allen's been not great. <laughs> Mike Williams <laughs> no is great. No Ben ever. <laughs> the worst quarterback yeah, but, throwing. But the he's, I mean, right have now. you seen what he's done? Have you seen what he's, he's done? Get, he's getting his he's been pretty Anyways, solid. We're not a fantasy top. podcast. We got one segment. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, let's move you to Monday. We're procrastinating. You had Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd. <laughs> Tyler Board, Board is right. Board was the way I felt while I was watching him play <laughs> on Sunday because he did not really get involved at all uh, against the Packers. Yeah. Oh, overshadowed by Jamar Chase, which is not surprising. But, uh, yeah, nothing really to write home about as far as that goes. Does does that put us both – do you have two two successful ones now or do you have only one? That is my – this is my second. So I am now oh, sitting okay. at so two we're- – Two and two and three. Four. Yeah, two and three. Two and three. We are both. We are both two and three. Both so. sitting at two and three. Yeah. Big week Stay coming up. Live. Go follow us. Big it's, week it's, coming it's, up. <laughs> back to square one here. 
Back yeah, to one and meet us, <laughs> or oh no. Meet us at war at uh, the war on ninety four Instagram war dot on dot ninety four pod this Sunday ten o'clock central eleven o'clock eastern. Uh, our pregame live. We'll do it live. It'll be a special one this week because we've got a rivalry game on Sunday. But before rivalry we get into that, we're gonna we'll, we'll talk football soon. But let's get to the matter at hand. Uh, baseball talk. Playoffs have started. They're well underway. Only one series left to be decided in the uh, in in the NLDS, Dodgers and Giants. But both the teams that we covered last week, wouldn't you know it, they're already out. Uh, let's start with the Brewers. I mean, yeah, there's tough just way nothing. to get out of there. There's nothing good to report. I mean, you had mm. two until yesterday. You had two runs and 27 innings. Devin Williams punching the locker really, really seemed like a just bad omen of things to come. I mean, nothing positive to describe. Like just Yelich, as I said in the intro, flailing away. Adams one for 15. You had at one point a streak of zero for. 17 or 0 for 18 with runners in scoring position then like a, a beautiful mm. 170 some batting average like it just they, they just can't swing a bat and and you can't do that in the playoffs you can't go out and have tout all season this positional versatility and this ability to sub anyone in and out at any time and have rowdy telez as your only contributor through three games yeah uh, yeah, they were, the offense just disappeared. Yeah, it's just it's it's not something. It's something you can't jump back on. You know that's why the baseball playoffs are so strange. I feel like they're weirder than any other playoffs in that way, where it's like you have a couple down games in a row, and you're just you're in a you dug yourself a hole really a couple quickly. down innings. You could you have a half. A yeah, game. true. True. Like, like how you look at, especially amplified by how poorly this Brewers team hit. But how monumental of an impact was the game three substitution for Freddie in the fourth inning to get a a pinch a pinch hit matchup on when Freddie was pitching very very well? Um, mm-hmm. Then Vogelbach comes up to the plate, bad base running. They don't get any runs out of the situation. The move isn't bad by any stretch it's not a, a dumb move but you did take a pitcher who was pitching very hot out of the game the 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 offense didn't execute and the very next half inning jock peterson comes up against the same guy he had a home run in in game one and and is the only on only offensive contribution of the game a three a three run bomb and he had two homers and seven pinch hit appearances like you just open yourself up to a moment like that which is a big tide swing on its own you can't make a homer not a big momentum change but it makes yeah. it just decide the game and and really just honestly probably took one of your biggest strengths out of the game for you know one fleeting moment which didn't it's a gamble and it didn't pay off so it was just I mean, we won't we won't quell too much on the ins and outs of the series, but some significant, you know, this is a team poised to compete for a few years with the rotation and the bullpen depth that we have, um, and and you have to then support that offensively. Um, yep. And, and there has to be there has to be wholesale changes, both both internally and bringing in new people. Like it just it's it's got to change. Yeah, they made the moves during the season to put themselves in the position where they were but they need to now capitalize on those guys they need to bring in those extra bats they can't rely on christian yelich to be their really only source of consistent 
power, which he wasn't a consistent source of power yeah. this year. But I know that's what they look at him as. So they need to make some big changes. We'll talk about that post-World Series. We have a, a whole off-season pod plan for that sort of thing. Um, but before we you know, get too deep into the weeds with the Brewers, let's talk White Sox. Another team that we expected to come out you know, with heavy artillery on the offensive side um, and just got out you know overpowered by the yeah. by the astros just this is not yeah yeah this is not the uh you know we know how good the astros are but i think a lot of people have sort of put that aside because of all the whole cheating scandal and you know everyone wants to kind of just look at them as like the garbage can gang and like mm-hmm. these guys can't really hit they just had all the you know all these signals and whatnot going on. but i mean five yeah, straight I mean, what, what's five straight alcs appearances yeah and a hundred like, straight games of booing Jose Altuve and to no avail. Like yeah. what? Like uh, you said, it. There's five straight ALCS appearances. That's what struck me. And it's like, you know, you can comment on the strength of the of teams around them, but this mm-hmm. is not a team, or the lack of strength, I guess, of teams around them. But this is not a team to be messed with. I mean, they nope. might change this offseason with free agency, but I mean, they just looked. I, they looked like they're going to be back in the World Series this year. I mean, truthfully, mm-hmm. that, four, that's how they games, Yeah, all four games scored at least six runs against a vaunted uh, White Sox staff that was just unable to, you know, consistently get runners out, get hitters out. Um, yeah. You know, they just and they can like the Astros can just continue to like get guys to you know, overperform really like Kyle Tucker, like the way that he's been hitting this season, Yuli Gurriel at 37 to win the, to be the batting champ. And then Josh Myers, they're like their guy, they brought up middle of the season from triple a, and he just becomes this like switch hitting dynamo. Unfortunately did get injured and have to leave the, the game yesterday on that home run by Gavin sheets, but doesn't seem like it's super serious. There was a chance he could have stayed in the game. I think it was like a shoulder injury, but yeah, I mean, they just continue to, I mean, put runs on the board. They had some strong pitching. Bullpen looked good. And the White Sox just couldn't keep up, couldn't slow them down. Yeah. And, yeah, it was it was, it was was over before you could even, like, blink. I felt like that yeah, series it literally was, felt like was over. As soon as they got to Lynn in the first game, it was like, well, we know how this song goes. Mm-hmm. Like that was just, yeah. that was the overwhelming feeling in my mind. I, I was watching it while at work and saw Lynn struggling. And I think he gave up, I mean, he gave up in that first few innings. Like it was like three or four runs, I think. Yeah. Pretty quickly. And yeah. it was like, he, all right, here mm-hmm. we go. And, and the white, you know, good on the White Sox for that awesome game three, huge comeback, like fighting till the end. Lurie Garcia of all people getting that go ahead home run. Mm-hmm. And then the White Sox fans were awesome, like great atmosphere. One of the best I've seen in a long time. Um, but yeah, just they're going to have to make some, some decisions this off season. Obviously they have a very young team, but you can't lean on that. You can't lean on the future being, you know, what like, Oh, the future's bright. Like we can just lean on all of our young guys and whatnot and everything will be fine. Like, 
speaking from experience here, those stars can shine bright and fast. And fast, and, very, very And fast. they can be gone quickly, and then you're selling everyone at the deadline, and you have Frank Schwindel playing first base. So that <laughs> happens in the blink of an eye. So White Sox fans got to enjoy it while it, while it lasts because uh, – it can it can go quick. It can go really yeah, quick, especially uh, in the divisions that we we play in. I mean, it's yeah. just not a not a and not a but central. The central divisions don't seem to produce teams that stay around for a long time. And I hope I hope the White Sox can buck that trend because it's been it's been pretty bleak as of late. But I, you're absolutely right. That you know. There's there's plenty of belief and, and reason to believe that this can be repeated, um, and hopefully this is learned from and improved upon. This is the White Sox now second taste of postseason. You know, last year was probably an even more inconsistent year, and they got bounced by the A's in the first round in in the expanded playoff setting. But I think I think if you really look at the step back in the grand picture, like the Astros being that team that's been to five straight CSs is a team that like, you can look and be like, all right, well, we still have work to do, right? It's a, it's a benchmark kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like, look what they look, what we, you know, they, then they thought they had hit that benchmark based on how they played in the regular season. There were some pretty fantastic games in both those series. Yeah. But, but postseason is a different animal and they know now what they have to do. And, and it, it this it's, as you said, the postseason is a whole different ball game. It just, it's not the same. I, I do want to point out, I mentioned a little bit the weak divisions. And I think we've seen that the past few years. I mean, remember last year we had seven teams between the two divisions, AL and NL Central, make the postseason and zero of them made, made it past the first round. It goes even deeper than that though. Uh, so here's some numbers for you. Past six seasons running, or past, yeah, past six seasons running all the way back to 2016. Uh, there's been 21 total teams that have have appeared in a wild card or and or division series, and of those 21, only five of them have made the AL or NLCS. And of those mm-hmm. five, only two made the World Series, and that was the Cubs Indians World Series. Since that series, it's been three and 18, three wins in in post all postseason series and 18 losses. And not including the COVID year, which was a weird year. The only two sub nineteen sub ninety win teams were the seventeen twins and the nineteen Brewers. Seventeen twins had eighty five wins, and nineteen Brewers had eighty nine. Both of those teams got bounced in the wild card. So you take those mm-hmm. two out, you're looking at teams that like were ninety plus win teams, which is a pretty solid benchmark for a good team in baseball, performing three and sixteen in the postseason. I mean, My is God. this is this like, and and not to say like you can't obviously pawn your po- lack of postseason success on off on the fact that you play the Pirates and the Reds or the Royals and the Tigers for you know what it forty games 40 a year, games, yeah. Like, but does do you think the lack of competition in a division? And even this year, you think about it, the, the, the divisions played each, this year and last year, the divisions played each other based on, you know, how the schedule was set mm-hmm. in the interleague rules last year. Do you think that has something to do with the fact that this record is so abysmal? I mean, I, I think it probably has something to do with it. If you're not having competitive games throughout the season, if you're 
you know, obviously teams play each other tougher when it comes to division matchups. I feel I feel like that it can be more, you know, kind of uh, tense games, even a game mm-hmm. against like Cubs, like, you know, when the Cubs are good and they're playing the Pirates and, you know, they're bottom of the, the division. I still feel like it's tense. It's more like, you know, they oh, slide yeah. a little harder. You know, you, you you go into second base a little a little more aggressively than you would in a game, you know, an out of division game. But I don't feel that it necessarily well clearly it doesn't result in better postseason performance. And yeah, I mean, I think that it definitely plays a role in that in the the uh failure of the the central division teams in both the AL and the NL. Yeah, I mean yeah, I, I fully agree because I mean like I said, we haven't sent either division hasn't sent a team to the World Series since twenty sixteen. Championship series. Barely yeah, the championship but, series. Like that's yeah, insane. Well, right. Barely the championship series. But if you look at the two World Series birth teams, both of those are both blown up and long gone. Like mm-hmm. I, it's just it's not you know it, Yeah, there hasn't and, been a lot I, of sustained success in either division with any team. I mean right. a team like the the twins who seem like they were on the right track to being a competitive ball club are now bottom of their division. You know, the Pirates a couple years. Yeah. Yeah. Pirates a couple years ago were were every year making postseason appearances out right away. Cardinals are always a, a you know a roll of the dice. The Reds are the Reds. The Cubs, we obviously know. We don't have to go into detail about them. Uh, <laughs> Spare that for moving later. Moving on. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, hey, it you feels like. You got a ring. Yeah. 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 It just feels like, yeah, there's no continued building of, you know, once these teams are good, it's kind of like a flash in the pan and we're moving on. Like back to yeah. our regular scheduled programming, the AL East, NL East, you know, the West divisions all kind of, you know, feast while we are sitting back and you know we're we're always the team Watching that's like the sidelines <laughs> yeah we're the team that, that gets in because we you know the division they won 88 games and they get to host a playoff series you know it's it's just yeah it's kind of a kind of a shitty thing to think about that you know but you know it, it sucks you want your you want your division to be competitive you want your team to be playing in high stakes games throughout the season but it just seems like it doesn't make a difference for when it comes to these central division clubs yeah i mean just like i'm trying to think of you know if you think of the division breakdown this year right it was the brewers and the cubs for the first half and then it was the brewers everybody else had sold off it or had sucked already the reds like mm-hmm. tried to make it interesting for a little bit but you know card really uh, and the Cardinals had a great Cardinals, streak to end the season. Yeah, yeah, that's You're right. Yeah, the but otherwise, but otherwise we're pretty much regardless, mediocre. Yeah, minus that seventeen game winning streak they had, the Cardinal or the Brewers still kind of ran away with everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, Even and with then, that, they were still pretty holding it out. You know. I mean, in the AL Central, the Sox had clinched the division with two weekends to go, and even even then, that was against an Indians team that is like good because they pitch really well or mm. guardians team excuse me uh, it's good because it pitches well because we develop pitching like it's nobody's business but mm. beyond that like you know there was nothing threatening about that lineup the tigers were exciting to watch because they seemed to be putting it together and seemed to be coming back into the fray of things but didn't really compete and the royals and 
twins just eternally sucked since the opening day. It's like, like, where does, you know, and, and, and sadly, you know, you can't win every baseball game. No, no, 160 or one, one, whatever. I don't, 162. I can't think of the number off the top of my head. 162 and 0 (laughs) never happens. But like, you know, it feels like sometimes even then with playing the crap teams, the Pirates, the Reds, the, you know, et cetera, et cetera, both these teams still dropped games. And it's like, and as you said, everybody plays up divisionally. Divisional games go hard, but like, what? What's the attitude there? Like, why? What? There just seems something missing, and it's and and hopefully it changes for the better because a lot of these teams that we're lamenting do have loaded young prospect systems. So hopefully, the, you know, those guys come up in the next three to five years, and we're starting to you know put a competitive division together, and we're seeing more than just like, hey, ninety-five wins make make the playoff with a twenty-game lead automatically because nobody else cared. Like mm-hmm. maybe we're not having that conversation three years from now, but for now we yeah, are, I and not. and I genuinely think it is actually playing playing a part into the lack of preparedness and the lack of really what it comes down to is the lack of fight from these teams. Yeah. Or, or the lack of interest in other players coming to these teams or wanting to like yeah. come here in a, in a trade deadline deal. You know, these teams aren't getting those big names. Everyone's got, you know, it's still the same thing. People are going West. They're going to the East coast. They're not interested in coming to Chicago, Milwaukee, St. Louis, like, uh, Cleveland, whatever. We're not getting those guys. We saw it this season. You know, who were the big splashes that were made? Scherzer and Turner to the Dodgers. You know, you saw guys like Rizzo to the Yankees, Bryant to the Cubs, or Bryant to the Giants. You know, it was people weren't coming to yeah, the, the Central biggest, Division. Everyone the was selling. Was Eduardo Escobar. And yeah, exactly. Who, who the fuck the White like, Sox? Yeah. Did? Right. Adams was well, like, yeah, yeah. Adams was a different but, different but yeah, ball game, but that was yeah. earlier, but it's still, I mean, it was people weren't, you know, those moves weren't weren't being made. So that has to do with it, I think. Um yeah. the lack of interest in wanting to come to these divisions, but also you got to be more competitive to get those kind of guys. So it's all it's all in, intertwined. Um I say times a flat circle. <laughs> yes. I did want to ask you though. I know we're going to you know cover this more probably when we do our off-season pod, but a quick thing. The Cubs are uh, pretty much in the final stages of hiring a new GM. The assistant, current assistant general manager of the Cleveland Guardians, Carter Hawkins. Yes. Uh, 37 years old, been with the team for better half of a decade, almost a decade and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, a team that has been very well known for being able to create strong pitching in their system. Um thoughts yeah flipping my guardians hat on here (laughs) anytime the indians lose front office staff it's not a good day i mean it always happens right it it, not always it it is commonly going to happen because the 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 indians much like the brewers are a very very good scouting team and player development team you know, you look at the the part of the reason the payroll was so low this year is because it's all young guys who have all been either traded for and as a minor leaguer and developed through the system, or drafted and developed through the system, or signed as a minor league free agent and developed through the system. So, and and as you mentioned, the the biggest question facing this team because of the pitching success, the biggest question facing this team 
in the offseason is what will the rotation look like next year and how and what will the people that don't make the rotation look like be flipped for in order to get hopefully some quality bats. So obviously I think it's a big get for the Cubs as a whole. And I actually thank you for bringing this up. I, I did see that, but almost forgot to say anything about it. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's a good find. Um, hopefully he can k- carry some of that organizational success to Chicago and they can truly recommit to developing that farm system again, because unfortunately the way that Theo played with you guys and, and got the, got the Cubs to be a successful team for even a few short seasons was by draining the farm system almost entirely after a few years yep. of really building it up. And it's left with next to nothing. They started to have some good trades at the deadline. Um, I think they stand and we'll d- d- delve deeper as to why, but I think the Tapera and Kimbrel trade is a massive win in favor of the Cubs. So that's already a good start to the off season. And now you bring in a guy like this who you know, comes from an organization that has a really good scouting eye. And he's one of two candidates from the Indians that was being considered for this job or the guardians still not getting used to that one. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I'm excited for, for, you know, maybe see the farm system replenished in Chicago and see back to building a team in a more balanced sense. Mm-hmm. But as a guardians fan, don't, don't ever like to see front office change. So I'm a little mad. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm happy that we get, we're getting a young like mind that's been in a good system for a long time, and now Jed Hoyer can fo- focus more on the operational side and not so much on you know player movement and whatnot. And now we got a guy who's been entrenched in that situation for a long time, so I'm happy about it. Like we said several times already, we will talk about this later on post World Series. Let's get into the meat potatoes of this podcast. Fubao. 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 We'll start with the Packers. Talk about an absolute shank off. Talk about cardiac arrest. And not yeah, the cheese curds like, I was eating and drinking beers. <laughs> it was like watching two geriatric people fight each other. Uh, and then overtime, just, just brutal, brutal, slow and brutal. That is uh, so rude. How dare you? <laughs> missed kick after missed kick. Mason Crosby saves the day though. The, yes. Mason Crosby pulls it out in the end and the Packers do it again, winning 25, 22, uh, thoughts. Mason Crosby. Is the only loves, kicker who loves can ever get three chances to kick a game-winning field goal. Yep. He is the only kicker because anybody else who would have done that, even if they're making the field goal, would have been cut the next day. Um, I, It's just such a unique and, and it's such an overlooked part of – this team. And you see these moments when, you know, go back to the Sunday night game, what, two weeks ago where Rogers spiked the ball to, and, 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 and already was fist pumping. Cause he knew what was happening. Like he knew what that meant. Like just the security and the trust that this team has and the ability to deliver on that trust on Crosby's end is just, I mean, it's unparalleled. And, you know, I think, yeah, it's, that's that's the end of the sentence. That's unparalleled. So thank the Lord we have Silver Fox, Mason Crosby. Offensively, not much to shout out besides the fact that this was, I think, the first game 
or at least the first game in a long time where the Packers had the 300, 200, 100. And by that, I mean a 300 yard passer, Aaron Rodgers, 200 yard receiver, Devontae Adams on 11 receptions and a 100 yard rusher in Aaron Jones. If that doesn't tell you that this offense is humming on all cylinders, and I haven't said that for the past four weeks, I don't know what else I need to say to say that this offense is humming on all cylinders. This is a, this is like all the dread and despair and anxiety and doubt of the post of the off season, at least for now is just, I mean, the faintest blip on the radar, you know, the conversation I'm sure will reignite as soon as the season ends, whenever that may be. But for now, nobody cares because <laughs> they picked up right where they <laughs> left off. The, the, the saints game might as well have been a preseason game. True. And, and the defense, Very true. this is the weirdest part to me. I mean, we've seen them, you know, be play well defensively, but, and we've seen moments of good and moments of bad, you know, pitching shutouts and halves, you know, make turnovers when it's needed three categories where this defense is top 10 in that I don't think they've ever been top 10 in um, don't have a verification on that, but it certainly feels like it eighth in yard per pl- eighth in total yards or in yards per play allowed And that means eighth best sixth best in generating turnovers and 10th best in first downs allowed. I mean, that is how you stop progress. And there is still lots to be desired in this team. Obviously we've talked about the injuries. Sure. We've talked about Kevin King. He, he let up a 70 yard bomb to Jamar chase, which I kind of want to rib him for, but kind of also like how the fuck do you defend Jamar chase? Like it's really just hard. Who hasn't let up a 70 yard bomb to Jamar chase this, this season. Point, that's a valid question. <laughs> like no, nobody. I mean, um, I think he's done it every single week. <laughs> pretty much at least 50 yards. And, and yeah. truthfully, I actually watching the play live while he might've been absolutely burned in coverage. I totally thought he came soaring in and made the pass breakup, which, which really was all he could try and do at that point. Cause you're not tackling him on the turn and accelerate like it if if that ball landed in his hands no matter what you did that was going to be a touchdown so might as well try and go for the press pass breakup so you know what i can't even like i said like i said can't even sit here and, and lament him for that but i mentioned his name last week i think or i've mentioned his name a few times and i mentioned it again devondre campbell a huge interception just jumping out of nowhere in the linebacker position to pick it off and run it back i think it's helped set up the packers in overtime for a field goal that was missed but that's his <laughs> that's his third turnover in five games which doesn't seem like a whole lot but for perspective of how piss poor the linebacker dis- position has been on this team that ties aj hawks last four seasons in turnover production and blake martinez's total turnover production of his entire four years spent with the team and those are wow. our last two prominent linebackers so and and the best bit was aaron Rodgers after the pick he or or after maybe it was a different play that was made. It was some point during the Bengals game. He turned and and was quoted saying to Mason or somebody else, Devonte. I don't remember who, but he said, "Man, this guy was just like on the streets. How, what? How?" And and honestly, that's the best compliment you can get is is Aaron Rodgers complimenting you know or being shocked or or making a comment, positive comment about a, a especially defender's personal play like that is you know who who's seen it more than Aaron Rodgers like that really tells you something so this team you know it hasn't exactly been the utmost toughest schedule there's been 
um, there's been some challenging games and there's been some moments of tribulation for this team uh, over the past four weeks since the, since coming out of the saints game. But uh, you know, ho-hum another victory. Yeah. Three, three field goals sent my heart rate through the roof to try and get to it, but three missed field goals rather, but the finally got it and off to Chicago we go. Yeah. And now that the, the schedule does get a little tougher, I'm looking at it now. You know, mm-hmm. Bears on the road, never easy. Um, Washington at home, they're kind of weird. Um, Cardinals, is, yeah, okay. Cardinals on the road, short week on a Thursday, and then Chiefs on the road. And then you got like Seahawks, who knows with them, with, with Russell Wilson, Vikings, Rams. Yeah, the Cardinals, uh, it, it, Chiefs, Seahawks. The second half of the season seems a little a little more – up in the air, but so far I don't feel like they've necessarily really been tested yet. That's kind of my feeling with this Packers team. Um, I eh, guess you could say I mean, against this against the, the Niners, yeah. But like, I I don't know. I feel like they've kind of cruised a pretty good amount. Yeah, the um, Niners game I think was a pretty adequate test. I mean, that's like I said, there's yeah. been enough storylines about the, about that team going out west and flopping around like a dead fish to you know make you feel like that that was a uh, 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 just like last year, you know, a, a landmark win for this team. Um, I think mm-hmm. I agree with you that the, the toughest three game stretch is upcoming with that with that uh, uh, the Cardinals, Chiefs, Seahawks, Seahawks. That mm-hmm. stretch, that stretch will be the hardest three games I think of the season. Um, we will see how it goes. We don't have to think about that yet because all we have to think about is Chicago. Let's start there. And speaking let's of talk Chicago, about Chicago, let's talk about him. What do you want to say about this game, Frankel? Evan, I have a question for you. Are the Bears good? I think they might be good. I was talking about it earlier this week. They're certainly not bad. They're not bad. And I think they might be good. The, with all the crap I talk about these guys, they just continue. This defense has just continued to prove me wrong. You know, after Week One, after watching them just get embarrassed on the, on Sunday Night Football, on just several completely miss miss coverages, and you know all that, unable to tackle. You know, blah blah blah. You've heard it all on here, but this defense is fucking awesome. <laughs> they are they are like the defense of my childhood, I swear. I mean, getting to the ball, putting pressure on the quarterback, they are, you know, hard-nosed, hard-hitting, you know, creating takeaways. It is just – it's really great to watch. This has been – that's been my favorite part of watching this team so far this season is watching this defense work because they have been – playing above the level that I thought they could be at by far. Khalil Mack is back to his just game wrecking potential. You have other guys like Robert Quinn who continues to surprise me this season. Um, the secondary has been much stronger. Shout out to uh, uh, Houston Carson getting his first interception of the year. And then guys who have stepped up. I mean, Travis Gibson, a guy who is, you know, a young guy trying to make a name for himself on this defense. That's an, another sack today, or another sack on Sunday, excuse me, a second one of the season. And, you know, if a guy like him can step up, especially now that Akeem Hicks is is uh, dealing with a nagging groin injury, this defense is going to continue to be strong and keeping the Bears in games. And 
you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and pretend like everything's all good. You know, the, the offense is definitely still kind of up in the air. Um, Justin Fields, though, he played he played fine on Sunday. You know, uh, I think it was 11 for 20, 111 yards through his first career touchdown pass on a dart uh, to Jesper Horstead, which is an all-time name, by the way, <laughs> Jesper Horstead, uh, out of Princeton University. And yeah, I mean, he just managed the game and he did what he had to. He They ran the ball a lot, which is something that we have lamented the Bears for not doing in the past. Their inability to, you know, get the run game involved. Um, but the the two-headed monster of Damian Williams and Khalil Herbert this week were just putting on a show. The, the two of them were... We're running all over the Raiders' defense, which is exactly what I thought they should do with how poor that re- that de- that rush defense has been all season. It was a very well-coached game, and that is not something I say often with this team in the slightest. So <laughs> to, to see the, the rush game and the defense uh, step up this season, it really brings me back to those old, you know, mid-2000s Chicago Bears teams and – you know, it, and now we actually have a quarterback who can do things. We, back then, we had like Kyle Orton and <laughs> and like Caleb Haney or Grossman. Like it was, you know, it was it was not. You couldn't lean back on the quarterback when you when you needed him. Now I feel like we're setting Justin up to really succeed right now. You know, this is exactly what you want to be doing with a rookie quarterback. You want to be putting him in positions to make plays when he has to, but not force it. You know, he doesn't have to be the, the, you know, the guy right now. He's just part of the system. And if they can continue to run the ball as well as they have, the defense can continue to step up. Things are looking pretty decent. Um, But (laughs) a couple tough tests lie ahead. And I, I don't know if we can rely on a 32nd ranked offense against a team like the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, that doesn't bode well for you. No, 111, 111 passing yards is not going to beat Aaron Rodgers. No, 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 it is not. It might be a it might be a uh, Oakland Raiders team who is trying to deal deal with the fallout of a awful human being being revealed as their head coach, but not yep. the Green Bay Packers. I do want to ask you offensively, and and mostly what your thoughts are on this. Mooney has certainly shown himself to be a top wide receiver um, and and shown to be exactly what the bears or what people were excited about when the bears drafted him Mm -hmm. Um, and fields and him are showing connection. What the hell is up with Allen Robinson and what the hell is his future with this team? I've been trying to not think about it that much uh, as far as the future goes, because it was such a hot button issue he but it seems, seems like it's be, not anymore. It seems like it doesn't need to be. <laughs> right. It seems like he's like happy. He seems okay in the role that he's in right now. Obviously, nobody's really getting theirs on on the uh, passing game. But he had some big plays this week. Uh, I mean, only four catches for 35 yards. But he he made some big plays when they needed them to. Like when, when they needed a big throw on a second and long, second and long, third down, something like that. They found Allen Robinson. He was the guy that Fields could look to and throw and you know find him in space or in a tight window, and he could count on Robinson to make that catch. But I feel like we're 
going to need to see more in the passing game. And we're going to need to see more to Allen Robinson. If we're going to want to be successful down the line, because that is a guy that you should be getting double digit targets a game, not a guy who should be, you know, your third down safety net. Yeah. You know what I mean? And obviously I know they're trying to play it safe with Justin Fields. They're trying to, you know, put him in situations where he can succeed. But at a certain point, you got to take the training wheels off. If you're going to want to, you know, we're going up in two two straight games now. We got the Packers. We got the Bucks. We can't Whew. be like we can't be, you know, messing around playing. Yeah, that's both you know, sides of the we'll, NFC Championship last year. You got to show if you're exactly, for real or not. Exactly. It's going to have. We're going to have to start airing the ball out. We're going to have to start, uh, you know, opening things up a bit, and hopefully, just now that Justin's had two. Well, wait, three straight weeks as the starter. Um, Things are becoming a little more comfortable. He's getting, you know, better, uh, better rapport with his receivers, with Robinson, with Mooney. Um, But to answer your question about the the future of Allen Robinson, I just, I really just, you know, unless he sort of breaks out these last, you know, few weeks, 10 weeks of the season, whatever it is, 10, 12 weeks, I don't see him signing here long term. I just don't. I don't yeah, foresee I th- that. I, even if he does get like, you know, hit a thousand yards, whatever, you know, the thresholds he wants to be hitting. I just think it'd be better for him to move on uh, in the long run. The Bears can, you know, it's going to be hard to replace his productivity, but you can supplement it with other guys with, you know, Mooney obviously is going to be here long term. You can, you, you know, we're going to have to get Cole Komet more involved or else I don't know what we're doing with that guy. Um you you have guys like Jameer Bird. You have you know Marquise Goodwin, who is always the loudest person on the post game TikToks, but is kind of absent when it comes to the games. Hey, um, he's just clubhouse energy. Come on now. Yeah, yeah. He's he's <laughs> like the new he's like the new Cordero Patterson. I feel like, uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> except not being but, used nearly as much. <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I feel I just feel like despite whatever happens this season. Uh, I think that Allen Robinson is going to eventually, you know, feel that it's best for him to move on to a team that is going to put him in the best position to succeed and win instead of kind of now developing this young quarterback, developing a new offense. You know, if we have a new coach next year, which I hope to God we do, um, (laughs) I don't know if he wants another to be around another new coach. He wants to be in a a situation that's a little more, you know, uh, secure and, um, successful so i would not be surprised if he if he moved on especially with everything that's going on with this contract situation the lack of um, urgency from the bears to you know lock him down long term it just feels like it'd be best for him and probably for the bears because it's kind of if anything it's more of a distraction um than anything to just kind of go our separate ways move on and and start off with uh with someone else coming in to start a new. Yeah. It feels like, I think, I think I agree with you. It feels like this is a situation heading for, especially with the way he thinks about himself, which I'm not saying he shouldn't, but this feels like this is a situation where, especially with this lack of performance, at least the way it's trending right now, they won't be able to meet in the middle and find a number where they agree on next off season. Um, Mm. 
or at least you would hope not because you hope that the bears don't overpay for a receiver that on at this point is tracking for like all of 300 total yards of offense or something like that yeah he's at, <laughs> right now he's at 17 catches for 181 yards and one touchdown all right so he's he's on track for 500 yards um yeah so you know obviously things can change we might be having a totally different conversation in eight weeks time um mm-hmm. but i think i that it's just interesting to see and i think i think we're it's good to see that we're in agreement i don't think that this is this is boding well for his future as a bear and that yeah. doesn't mean it's like as much as i want him obviously as much as i want him to stick around and i would love for him to be here for the rest of his career i mean the guy is still relatively young um and has been the best one of the best receivers we've ever had um in the short time that he's been here um but yeah we just can't he's only had double digit targets one time this season and this is a guy who's averaged 150 the last two years um and yeah that's yeah, double just he, game. <laughs> right he, he doesn't he doesn't deserve to be in a situation where he's like in this offense that's like you know a gadget guy I, I love yeah and i love the run heavy you know approach this season but it doesn't bode well for him and he wants the money he knows what he's worth like you said he deserves it and so go get your money go get your coin yes i will also say before we uh before we move on from anything bears please can we stop putting justin fields in situations where he's getting thrown around i mean (laughs) this last game i feel like he was just getting absolutely crushed on almost every play um, I mean, it led to like several roughing the passer calls. You know, we, he was it was able to extend drives, whatever. But he's just, I mean, and then these like designed runs where it's like these like sweeps to the left or right. They, first of all, they, they do nothing. It's like a like a peewee football play, and he just gets absolutely crushed. Um, so if we could stop doing that because he's already now kind of has this nagging like hyperextended leg that just happened on Sunday. Um, let's just, let's cool it with the, uh, you know, putting him in those, in those, uh, those kind of situations. Just a, just thought. Yeah. Um, yeah. Concerned hey, protect, Bears fan. Here. Protect your franchise guy. Concern, right. This is a guy who want to be around for a long time. Uh, so let's just, ma- let's make it seem that way and not, not let him get thrown around like a rag doll. Uh, yeah. Just a thought, just throwing just it out thought. there. Probably a good one, but yeah. just a thought. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, huge game Sunday. Uh, Bears with a victory can move into a tie for first place with the Packers. Um, who would have thought that after watching these teams through five weeks that there would be first place on the line in the division? Um, Bears will be wearing their awesome throwback uniforms. Uh, the one with the stripes on the helmet? Yeah, the striped helmets, white jerseys, the the uh, like striped socks, kind of like Wicked Witch of the East socks. Um, I do quite like those socks and the helmet and uniform. Yeah. So the Packers will be wearing their green and gold uniforms, like their home uniforms on the road, which is – I don't think I've ever – in all my years of watching Bears Packers, I don't think I've ever seen the Packers wearing green and gold in Soldier Field. So that will be a very interesting sight. Um, But yeah. yeah, uh, Always fun. Well, <laughs> shouldn't say that. Always, always intense. fun. <laughs> <laughs> always fun for you. I, I normally 
am am very high before this game, like very excited and like ready for the, you know, it's it's Bears Packers. It's one of the oldest rivalries in sports. You can be competitive and uh, people get up for the game. You know, the oh, Bears, always. That Bears will, will get up for the game. Packers will get up for the game. Um, they did try to have uh, Aaron Rodgers name all 16 of the Bears quarterbacks that he has faced um, in his time with the Packers. Um, he couldn't, I mean, obviously well, who could think yeah, I couldn't I, even so. name all 16 of them. So, uh, <laughs> did you see him also? Probably, he was asked if he'd ever consider being a bears quarterback and he like immediately shot it down. He's like, no, no, never, never, never. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Relax. <laughs> he could have at least played with the idea at all. Okay, fine. No, we didn't we never want to do anyways. <laughs> watch you anyways yeah fine i don't care uh but we will delve we will delve further into that matchup this sunday like we mentioned earlier uh, instagram uh, on our instagram yep uh the warren 94 pregame show uh make sure to join us we are very happy at you know the reaction we've had so far we love seeing you guys on there asking questions and uh we look forward to doing it every week so Really excited, especially since it's a rivalry game, first one of the season. Quite excited. Um, Very. But before, yes, before we move on, before we move on and get out of here, I did want to give a quick shout out to the Chicago Blackhawks. First game of the season tonight. Um, Tonight, sort of a renewed. Yes, to uh, sort of a renewed hope around. The team um, made some big offseason acquisitions, bringing in Marc-Andre Fleury, bringing in Seth Jones, a defenseman um, from Colorado. Blackhawk now? (sighs) Yeah. No, from Columbus, excuse me, not not Colorado. Or not, yeah, Columbus. Um, Jonathan Taze is back, so that feels like a brand-new acquisition. Um, He's healthy. Kirby Doc is healthy uh, to start the season. Very exciting times around the Blackhawks, around the United Center. You know, Bulls starting next week. Bucks will be back on Tuesday. Sports are so fun. I love them. Um, <laughs> we start the episode by saying we're psychotic for liking sports, and then we finish by saying we love sports. Like, They're so sports. fun. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to be doing this if we didn't love them. <laughs> exactly. We're, we're, we're just too – we're conditioned, and, we're, and we love it. Um, <laughs> but as always, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um we appreciate all the love you guys give us on social media. The, you know, uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, and give our podcast a subscribe, a like, a review, five stars preferably, anywhere you find podcasts. Um, Evan, anything to add before we uh, roll on out of here? If anyone knows how to find 2017 Christian Yelich again, please let me know. Thanks, bye. Um, no, don't help him with that. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Send yeah, increase thanks to everybody Twitter for listening. at each lands. Please. <laughs> thanks, I'm everybody. Asking, I'm you. We'll talk to you later. We're on the war on... We're the war on 94. Later. Peace. Peace.